Hello and welcome to the latest episode of No Offense with Matt Shepard, one fan's review of the Nothing Personal with David Sampson podcast. So this week was a little different. Monday, David had a great interview episode with Bob Costas, and I'm not going to review that because I don't really know how I do a review of an interview. It's, it's not that I don't like Bob Costas. The episode was great. I love Bob Costas. I love his work. But I don't really know how to do a review. Am I reviewing David's questions and saying are those great questions? Am I reviewing David's questions and Bob Costas' answers? Uh, it's not... I'm not, you know, a, a Bob Costas podcast. I'm nothing personal with David Sampson. I highly recommend, though, uh, if you are listening to my podcast and you haven't listened to that episode, you should. David does a really great job. So I'm going to begin with Tuesday. And Tuesday, the topic that really spoke to me was the Trevor Bauer ongoing circus is the best way to put it. For those of you that don't know, Trevor Bauer has been on administrative leave for over, or about a year now, actually, I wouldn't say over, uh, due to it still, the charges were dropped, if my understanding is correct, but it was all, it was around sexual assault, might have been rape, I'm, that right now I'm drawing a blank on, but there's Either the accuser didn't go to court, I can't, I'm drawing a blank on right now, but anyways, it's around sexual assault. And he's been on administrative leave, which means he can't play, but he hasn't been paid by the Los Angeles Dodgers, the team that signed him. Basically, it's purgatory, as David puts it. You know, you're paid, but you can't play. And while the majority of us would love not to work, now, not under these circumstances, while the majority of us would love to, to not work and still get paid, when you are a top athlete, I can see not playing has got to be excruciating, even if you are a scumbag like Bauer. I, now, I should add allegedly, because, yeah. So, the Dodgers, according to Samson, don't want him back, and this is for obvious reasons. One, all the accusations, even where there's smoke, there's fire, is my belief. But as well, he is a terrible teammate. You know, the sexual assault that led to this, and... I mean, look at the issue he had with Terry Francona and how he reacted to being taken out of the game. He's not somebody wanting the clubhouse. And so, that's kind of reason number one, bad for the clubhouse. But reason number two, which is really interesting, is that if he is suspended, his salary won't count towards the luxury tax, which is going to be if he's, if his salary is added, so if he's able to play or you know, not in administration that's going to make it a huge bill for the Los Angeles Dodgers. So, if he's not, if he's suspended, he's not getting paid, his salary doesn't count, saves L.A. a lot of money. And as David said, they want him suspended for two years for that purpose. Which is... I don't know how I feel about that. For what he's accused of doing. Again, allegedly. But also, it's business. I know, I know David's thing is it's business... You know, it's it's just business, it's nothing personal, but it seems a bit shady on both both sides, but I digress. So that's one aspect of it. And listening to this and listening to that basically tight rope walking the Dodgers are doing of trying to not make it seem obvious, but also cover their own, is really fascinating. And I would not want to be the Dodgers right now. I mean if he if he doesn't come back, that's fine. Okay, if he's suspended and it's gone, okay, fine, cool. Then you don't have to worry about it. But if he does come back, 
it's not only going to be awkward in the clubhouse. I mean, you're going to have all of this financial, but it's also going to be so awkward of how you actively try to keep him from playing. I mean, you'd be you'd hear a pin drop in that clubhouse at Dodger Stadium all the way to Canada with the with the tension. I mean, you're he's not going to come back without grudge. The team is it's all going to be fake. Hey, Trevor, glad to have you back. Wonderful, awesome. Let's get playing. That's all going to be fake. He knows it. They know it. That is going to be one awkward situation with the amount of effort the Dodgers are trying to put in to not have him play. So, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but this is really a lose-lose situation for the Dodgers. I mean, if he fights his suspension and is successful, and that is one thing, you know, that is that is kind of big. But, according to David, he is going to fight his suspension, and normally baseball players, that he, well, all of them that he's ever dealt with with suspension, have taken it for most part. And when I look back on it, I kind of agree with that. Even the big ones like Robinson Cano and A-Rod and others, they might walk away from the sport, A-Rod, but they do take the suspension. So it looks like it's going to be a, a, a clown show. It's going to be Trevor Bauer appealing it. The Dodgers don't want him to play. Baseball doesn't want him to play. According to David, all but one player wants to play. That's Bauer wants to play. And... If he appeals, the appeals process is not going to be clean. Actually, I shouldn't use the word clean, but it's not going to be cut and dry. According to David, if you fight an appeal, the commissioner has to show the evidence of why he should be suspended. So, of course, that's the sexual assault, all of this stuff. And Bauer is going to be get to give evidence. Of course, that's going to be why he's innocent, why he should play. And honestly, I, I don't know how any of this comes out looking clean. I mean, yes, there's the legal side This, that from now I'm going to say is, is sorted, but yeah, not, try not to use the term Mike Ryan's word of icky from the Dan Lebertard show, but it kind of is that. And I, I, I don't know how this is going to make anybody look good in this between the Dodgers, Commissioner's Office, and Bauer. If you ask me, and this will never happen, but my take on this whole situation is Major League Baseball secretly give money to the Dodgers to buy out Bauer and end the administrative leave, which, you know, they had to get permission to extend anyway, so the players don't want him. And teams, I don't think, want him because the players don't want him, the bad press, all of that. But buy out his contract, let him play, and then not have him play. So he's not he's not out there gaining any support on his social media platforms like he's been trying to do. I mean, that's never going to happen, but... It would be nice if somebody, if the Dodgers just got rid of him, pay off his salary, swallow it, walk away from it, let some other team take it, because the worst is yet to come for baseball. It, it really is. So Wednesday, the story I want to talk about is from So You Want to Talk to Samson's segment. It was kind of a continuation of the previous topic Davey covered that day, but this one was all about payroll and jersey sponsorship. So now for 2023, Major League Baseball teams can get a jersey and helmet sponsor to make more money. And the Padres were the first to sign one, and David was asked if a small market can become a big market because of this. And right off the bat, and I really want to highlight this, is David mentioned that there are no such things as just, you know, small market, big market teams. Yes, there are small markets and there are big markets, but what he looks at, and I've heard this before and I agree with it, there's only small revenue and 
large revenue teams. That's because small markets can't grow big and big markets don't become small. You can have a small market, a small revenue team in a small market, or you can have a large revenue team in a small market and vice versa. And his example was, you know, like the one of the ones was the Green Bay Packers. They're a large revenue team in a small market. So it doesn't necessarily mean the market size, it's the team's revenue. And that's one thing that I agree. So we kind of have to remember that that's how we're looking at it. So Dave's initial reaction was that this was a mistake for the Padres to, to be first. Why? Well, one of the things that David mentioned, and I do agree with it, is, and it does make sense to me 100%, is that all they're going to see is an incremental increase in revenue is only going to be helpful as a low revenue team, and that's what the Padres are, even though they act as a large revenue. You can look at the part, but you're not the part. Uh, you you hope that this money, that this money is going to lead to allowing you to be more competitive by having a higher payroll to attract more teams, but that's only true if it can close the gap to the higher revenue teams. And the Padres now have set the floor, and a team like the Dodgers will be getting more, and therefore the gap is going to widen. So instead of saying, okay, we can now spend $110 million versus 100 just an easy example, the Dodgers were spending 200 well now we can spend 220 So you've increased, but so have they. So you haven't closed the gap. They've just increased it even more. And that makes sense to me, 100%. And as well, like this not closing the gap really flows into one of the next issues of leaving money on the table by being the first. You know, the Padres are getting this Motorola money is only helpful if it is disproportionately higher compared to what the Dodgers are getting. And so in other words, what he's talking about there is, is, is the money, what the Dodgers are getting for their team, for the revenue, is what the Padres are getting, you know, disproportionately higher? Is it making a big enough dent for the Padres? Is it worthwhile? And so... When the Dodgers sign, it's going to be higher than the Padres as it's coming from a different market. So this is where we kind of get into the large market and small markets. And this is where this jersey sponsorship is coming. Is that the jersey sales and the helmet patches, they're not going to be national deals in the sense of a nationwide company. It's going to be regional. So the Padres have a smaller market to choose from compared to Los Angeles. And so it's not going to be, the, the, the Motorola money is not going to be disproportionately higher compared to the Dodgers. So there's another reason why it's not going to be helpful. You know, David talked about how this is going to be regional brands, city brands, market brands uh, of each city trying to go national because it's now a walking billboard. And that makes sense. But the Padres, and his example was like, you know, the Padres, you know, could be a $5 million deal, but the Dodgers will get more. But if the Padres waited to see, the Dodgers would have opened up the bidding. And being such a big team, a high-revenue team in a large market, they would have gotten, say they got, you know, his examples was $20 million. That They could have then gone back and said, you know, we originally thought we were worth $5 million, but the Dodgers got 20 Now, we know we're not the Dodgers, but we're also not $5 million. So our dollar amount is actually 10 million so let's get a deal done for 10 million so that to me makes sense you know you never want to be the first on something like this no matter how big you are you know you let the market establish itself 
and then that way and then you enter it because either way you're either losing money in terms of the Padres so the Padres signed and thought we're doing great the Dodgers the Padres have set the floor sadly is what it is every other team is going to go higher at best comparative compared uh, equal to the, the Padres so you know the Marlins okay the Marlins aren't going to maybe set a new ceiling but they'll get around five million they're not going to do worse they might do better nobody's going to do worse than the Padres that's for sure but they can do higher and so the Padres have kind of set the floor and they're losing money because every other team could say well what if what if all the other teams managed to get 10 million or more the Padres have already inked that deal for you know for the five million as, as David put it and so you don't want to do that so therefore that's you know that's really why you don't want to be first and it makes sense you know when you're the first no one really knows how to value something that's brand new and that's the problem when it's when you have something that's new I, I guess not new but a new process for this because sponsorship is not new but jersey sponsorship and helmet sponsorship to major league baseball is new other leagues have done it you know european hockey has their the jerseys for some teams look like nascar and formula one drivers it's just a wash with with ads but for baseball this is new and so you don't want to be the first one you don't want to set the market because you know a high team is going to want to set it as high as they can get it sorry a large revenue team is going to want to set it as high as they possibly can and then all the lower revenue teams get to say to their sponsors you talk to us about 250,000 yeah we're thinking we can get three or four or five million no way we're doing business with you or you said a million dollars because we're the Marlins and nobody goes to the games yeah but the Dodgers got 20 because they were first and the Yankees got 30 or 40 because of the Yankees you know and the same for the Red Sox and the Blue Jays are doing great and all these other things yeah we're not taking two and a half million I'm sorry <laughs> we're worth at least seven and a half but if you take two and a half million you might negotiate three three and a half but you're still leaving money on the table and that's not something you want to do and of course a really interesting thing about this as well is that the Dodgers also have something to be angry about you know as he as he you know as this thing about the the Padres for five million the Dodgers might have been saying 20 now all sponsors are gonna look at it and go yeah we're not paying you that money we'll pay you less because look what the Padres got you'll be happy with it so I know David's thing of and and this is one thing that I kind of found about listening to the segment it was really good you know like all his segments are good when he talks about money and sponsorship and things like that where he really knows and especially baseball it's really it's really great insight but one thing I kind of thought about it is I know he says that you don't want to be first but somebody has to be so I would have liked to have heard how you get around that or what you watch for to kind of see maybe I could ask him that and message him out on his Twitter which he does respond to people I have gotten a response or two in the past uh, you know ask him and see like you said you don't want to be first but somebody's got to be first so do you how do you who blinks first what team because if nobody goes first you never do a deal and that's never gonna happen so somebody had to go first would you wait for a small revenue team or would you go for a large revenue team would you allow somebody to establish a floor or somebody to establish a ceiling I would have maybe liked to have that covered as well but 
neither here nor there. Just a really interesting segment to end. Yeah, the Padres, I do think. <laughs> like a lot of things with a brand new as well, you're undervalued 99% of the time. Something new things, new ways, the first person doesn't always see the maximum value. And yeah, I'm surprised the Padres did it. I kind of wonder, David talked about how they're high revenue acting. And I maybe wonder if that's the reality of it, that as soon as they could, they jumped because they might be looking at a lot of red in their in their books, not a lot of black. So I wonder if that's maybe coming to haunt them. And that's why, you know, the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Dodgers weren't the first teams to do it. A small revenue team spending like a big revenue team was the first to blink. Yeah, it's interesting. So Thursday, the topic that really spoke to me is the pitch clock that's going to be in baseball for 2023. So another topic the next day on baseball for 2023. 2023 for baseball looks like it's going to be an interesting year. But anyways, neither here nor there. Now, David, I also want to cover that on this day. So David also covered the story of what is happening in Oakland. And are they moving to Vegas? Are they not? The 2,703 uh, people in attendance for I think it was the home opener game this week or this past yeah this past week uh he did cover that as well really fascinating but i really couldn't give it justice to review it there are certain topics that david covers that i would love to review but it would be a full episode for me because i i, I couldn't review it and give my own opinions my own takes on it because that's kind of what this is this podcast is i don't want it to just be a word for word review because listen to david for that why would you be why would you be listening to me even i know that but uh, really fascinating story. I really recommend you, you giving that. So anyways, sorry, giving it your attention. So anyways, the pitch clock starting in 2023 uh, is going to be 14 seconds for a pitcher to get throw a pitch with no one on base and 19 seconds with someone on base. And this is right now being done in the minor leagues and the games are 20 minutes shorter. But in David's opinion, this isn't going to speed up baseball games. And there's all kinds of reasons he gets into it. The ones I really found interesting was this is only going to affect a small number of pitchers. And he talked about how whenever they talked about this when he was president, they had a list of pitchers on times and how long it would take for them to, to get off a pitch. And I find that fascinating. Even when it wasn't instituted, the numbers they must have. And you can see why it's a stats-driven league and why, it, unlike any other league, people who love it love the stats. I mean, that's, that's fascinating. But the only thing he also said was that so it's not just going to affect a small number of pitchers. He added, it's the added the fact that it's not going to have consequences. You know, he said it's only going to be warnings and things like that. Uh, but if you want to change behavior, in his opinion, you have to have consequences, which I agree. Why would a pitcher care if all it's going to be is a written warning that they can crumple up into a little ball and throw into the, the garbage bin or recycling? Recycling is 2022. If you're not going to put real teeth behind it, it's not going to change. I mean, who cares if there's if it's just a warning or a finger being wagged in your face by the commissioner's office? Even small fines. I mean, one, if teams are going to pay for it, it doesn't hurt. Two, if it's only you know a couple hundred bucks or a thousand, some of these pitchers are making thirty million. It's not going to affect it, so it needs to have real teeth that hurt. And if it doesn't. It's, it's not going to change, you know, and baseball is trying to do things to make the game more exciting because I love baseball. 
Actually, no, I don't. I like baseball. I, I've fallen out of love with it from what it used to be. I mean, I, I used to follow it. New players. I didn't know stats because I was never into it that much, or never. That's not how my mind worked. But I followed the Yankees for years, and I knew players. I knew, you know, I I remember, you know, Jeter's three thousandth hit. I, all these things like. I remember it all, and I loved it, and I just have fallen out of love with it. I still like it. I'll, I'll turn on the playoffs, but it's not a diehard because the games are so long, and it's, they're really almost as well not exciting. It's strikes, and that's that's boring. I, I know there are people who love it, but and it has nothing to do with what Mike Wilbon says of my attention span. You know, he likes to say that it's my generation's attention span. But I don't want to sit for three and a half hours and watch something boring. I wouldn't watch football if football was three and a half, four hours, and it was finished the game seven to three, seven to six, nine to six, three nothing, just a field goal. I'm, I don't care. It, that's boring. I don't mind watching a movie for three hours plus multiple movies or a show. It's different. It's exciting. I just... I'm not interested in it. I can watch... I watch racing, and I'll watch the 24 hours in the mall, and, I won't, and I'll sit for 24 hours and stay up because it's different. It's fascinating. It's exciting. If it was one lap an hour, I'm not watching that. Oh, look, it takes an hour for the car to go around, and we don't get the full camera coverage. It'd be boring going to sleep. I'm getting off course here, but so I just wanted to say it's not always the attention span, Mike. I'm sorry. There's my Michael Wilbon of part of the interruption rant over. Now to get back to it. So baseball is trying. You know, they've already changed the ball to put it in play more instead of having so many home runs, as you know, David reminds us. And he also talked about how Major League Baseball makes changes only to benefit themselves, which I agree. You know, he talked about you know, come stats time when you affect home runs, it means less bonuses, less contract money. And I don't really want to, I really don't want to look into that hidden reasons because that's, I think, another podcast for another day. But I do just want to highlight that baseball is trying to to change the game and speed it up. And they have to, or else it risks dying because the games are way too long and not exciting. And the pitch clock needs to have teeth or else it's not going to be effective. But it is a step in the right direction, and maybe a pitch clock with teeth is not what they wanted. And I mean, I don't know if there was a pitch clock with teeth behind it, if that was even discussed, but I could see maybe not doing it, because even though it might affect a small number of pitchers, you're still putting in something that a lot of them are going to not like. So to then turn around and say, oh, by the way, guys, if you don't get a pitch off in 14 seconds or 19 seconds, you'll have walks. And a certain amount of walks, we might throw in a run. Or you might get fined 50000 uh an instance. So you could be 300000 in a game, a million in a game. Who knows? The sky's the limit, players. Both of them at the same time? Revolt? Another lockout? Who knows? But I do think that at some point they need to put in teeth into having this, or else it's not going to make any difference. I do agree with David. It's not going to speed up the game because baseball has other issues. You know, the constant 
resetting of players in the batter's box. And I know David said you have to keep one foot in, but still, the tapping of home plate 30,000 times every pitch, the uh, un I guess Velcro unstrapping and restrapping 1,700 times each wrist, the 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 looking at your bat and holding all these ridiculous things that add time. This stuff needs to go. The game needs to be sped up. The OCD of every single player has to be solved. Burn on. But I do like the fact that they're putting in a pitch clock. It is something I think that they need to do, and it allows them a platform, in my opinion with which they can expand, they can put in real rules, they can do all kinds of things. So it is a good step in the right direction, but I do hope that baseball doesn't think that this is the cure, because it's not going to be a cure. It's it's only going to be, I think, a placebo. I think Davis Wright is not going to have any effect in his current form. Uh, and again, we could be wrong. It could have a huge effect, and games could be two hours and 20 minutes and it could revive baseball and, and actually make it America's pastime again. I don't know. I don't think so. Only time will tell the 2023 season, to be exact. Okay, so Friday, the story that really interested me uh, was the was David covering the topic of the ongoing saga between Disney and Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, over their Don't Say Gay Bill. Now, I thought about covering this and not covering this politics, not politics, and I'm not going to get into the, the actual bill. I'm just going to cover what has happened between Disney and the state of Florida. So they came out with this bill, the Don't Say Gay bill, and they, I think, I think it passed. I'm not in Florida, so I don't exactly know, or they're trying to pass it. I think it was passed. Anyways, Disney was silent on this because, you know, as David reminds us, and I agree with him completely, Disney being the largest employer in Florida by a country mile, uh, they pay both sides of the aisle, and, they, and corporations do. You pay whoever you think is in power or is going to be in, or sorry, whoever you think is going to be in power, and you pay who's in power. Your money is, I don't want to say not political, it is political, but it doesn't have... Democrat or Republican tied to it. Corporations are just whoever can get us something will we'll donate to you, whether it's Republican, Democrat, whatever. And so therefore, being the largest employer in the state and being they pay on both sides of the aisle, they have major control in Tallahassee and the lobbyists, you know, give money to both sides, as, you know, David talks about, they remain silent. Now, their workers didn't like this, you know, the times have changed, and so they were forced to to Disney themselves were forced because of their workers who said, well, we're not going to work for you. And as David tells us, and I never knew this, uh, well, I knew the fact that a lot of money goes into training them, but the Marlins actually had people from Disney going down for their new park to train the staff. So all these highly trained individuals cannot be replaced overnight, and so Disney, Disney, uh, Disney had to respond. And so they responded that they weren't happy and that they were turning off the taps, uh, two politicians in Florida and that got blowback from Ron DeSantis and one of the things that I did not know is that in 1967 Disney was given a special special district in the Orlando area it covers two counties according to David no I've never been there 
I know where it is in Orlando and, and that part, but I never knew this, is that they have, in the special district, they have all the power. They take care of things like the roads and stuff like that. It's, as David puts it, it's Disney is a fiefdom. And so, DeSantis came out and said, we're going to take away your district given to you in 1967. And David asked the question, so Disney panicked, right? And his, exam and his answer was no. And I completely agree with him, even though I never even knew this, this special district existed. Ron DeSantis, what they're not telling, and this is from David, and I can't put it even in better words myself, is that the, he's not telling the people in Orlando the amount of money that Disney spends to, in upkeeping the area. Because if Disney loses the right to do so, the state is going to have to pick it up in taxes, which means an increase in taxes, both for the area and for the state. And so they're not saying all these other things. They're just saying, well, if you're not going to give to us and you're going to meddle in politics, we're going to take your district away. Look at us citizens of Orlando and citizens of Florida. We're standing up to a corporation. Except it's not. This is law is entirely retaliatory, both that don't say gay, and also this attack on Disney. And the people aren't being informed properly, in David's opinion, and I agree completely. Of course they're not. If they were actually told, oh, by the way, this uh, retaliatory stuff we're talking about with Disney, that's going to affect your pocketbooks. The people of Florida would tell Ron DeSantis, regardless of what bill that was passed, regardless of what the citizens wanted, they would tell Ron DeSantis where to go in, in no uncertain terms. And so lawmakers trying to tell Disney what to do is not going to end well. What it is going to end up with, according to David, is it's going to end up in a deal. And it's going to end up with a deal that is going to make all sides happy. You know, I don't know how that works because they're threatening. And I don't, I don't exactly agree how it's going to end in a deal. You know, David, to talk about it. Uh, <clears throat> you know, we did say that the lawmakers don't want to increase taxes as an increase gets you fired. And so support for the law is trumped by people keeping their jobs, the politicians. And I do agree with that. But I don't know if it's going to end in a deal. I think it's going to end in with, the deal might be, we'll go quietly into the night, the lawmakers, and you stop bringing attention to it, and we'll call it that. I don't see anything else happening. I don't see, I, I don't know if I see the Don't Say Gay Bill being repealed because of this. I don't know if I see Disney being silent on the Don't Say Gay, or maybe, maybe they could tampen it down a little bit. But I don't see Disney being pushed around by Ron DeSantis and others. I just don't see how, a, how a, a, a deal could be made when you've gone to this level already. That I kind of got to push back on David. I know he has, you know, he's president of baseball operations. He deals with governments and dealt with governments at state, municipal, and federal, I'm sure. But I don't see how you can threaten someone this publicly and just kind of have a backroom deal. I know they'll try, but I don't see how that's going to work. I really... I really don't. I do think this is going to end badly for DeSantis. Uh, I know he, you know, people are saying he wants to run for president between the Don't Say Gay bill and this horrible bill that it is. Uh, I'm, you know, I might not get into politics on this podcast, but I will say that the Don't Say Gay bill is unacceptable across the board. There's, there's nothing in that that is, is remotely humane or decent or right. 
between that and taking off Disney, Disney's not going to back down. You're not going to push them around. And they're not going to take some deal for you to keep the special district because that's... <laughs> you end the special district status for Disney and then tell your taxpayers, oh, by the way, you guys have got to come up with millions, maybe tens of millions of dollars in tax money to cover what Disney used to cover. They're not going to be happy. They are not going to be happy in... Well, with the largest employer in the state. And all those individuals who live in Florida and work there are voters. So the largest employer in the state, you're potentially going to piss off all of its workers. And that's not something I don't think the lawmakers really want to do. I think it's a knee-jerk reaction. I think a deal, and I'm using air quotes on that, is just going to be something like, we'll all back down quietly and we'll just leave it at that. It's not going to be a, you keep quiet on the don't say gay and we'll, we'll keep your special district they're not going to have a chance to do anything to the special district because I don't think they have power in this situation at all. Now, I could be wrong. Maybe there is going to be a deal and Disney will be quiet on the don't say gay and they'll go against their workers. I don't know. It gets a bit dicey, but I don't see a deal being made. I just see Ron DeSantis and the lawmakers going quietly into the night and people forgetting about it, and I think that's what's going to happen. And Disney will go on being Disney. So, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I'm you know, I do think we all need to keep an eye on it for a whole host of reasons. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to do a wait to see because that's not my thing. It's, that's David's. But, uh, yeah, I don't think a deal is going to be made. Well, uh, that has been another episode of No Offense with Matt Shepard, one fan's review of the Nothing Personal David Samson podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. Till next time, goodbye.